This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Eventually, we decided, like, you know what, we just need to help this thing get out there. So, like, let's make our own meditation school and let's teach this method, but without the spiritual decoration, you know, without without making it bigger than it needs to be and explaining it with like practical metaphors, making it cool for for young people, and uh, and yeah, and that's when we founded Mindspo, our meditation school. This is Good Humans Podcast with me, Cooper Chapman, chatting to the world's best about the inspiring stories that got them to where they are today. On all of you good humans out there, thank you so much for tuning into Good Humans Podcast. This is, of course, guest episode day today we have another very special one last week we had nicole vignola a neuroscientist who taught us so many incredible things i was so lucky to have this conversation and yeah i've been really trying to implement the different things that i learned so if you haven't listened to that one make sure after today's episode you head back and listen to nicole's episode if you're new here a very warm welcome it's great to have you here it's been incredible seeing the growth over the last couple of weeks this podcast has really started to build a bigger audience and i'm so grateful for that it's so nice to know that the guest episodes uh, inspiring so many people out there, but also the one percent pod is having a great input and building a big community of people who are yeah really taking care of their mental health and building a bit of curiosity around mental health and that's what Good Humans Podcast is all about. Hopefully, from these guests, you can be inspired to implement some different things into your life where shifting a little bit out of the athlete realm just for a moment. And I've been bringing on some incredible people who are very smart from neuroscientists this week we have a meditation coach coming up we have some really interesting doctors and also some yeah really fun people to chat to so don't miss out on the next couple of weeks but today's episode is yeah a really special one a great friend of mine chris soul he's a meditation coach and teacher he also runs meditation retreats over in bali he owns an organization or a company called mindspo with his beautiful partner rochelle who i will have on the podcast in the coming weeks as well but yeah this episode was great i've been wanting to have chris on for quite some time i i've learned all of my meditation skills from chris and i continue my journey every single week touching base with him and learning so much in this chat we really dove deep obviously into meditation but his story and his why behind it and i think that is why it is so powerful what he teaches because it came from such an authentic place and yeah, I'm so grateful he shared the story with me. He talks so in depth about the story, about his journey into meditation, what he's learned along the way. And then we go really deep into manifestation and he shares some really, really cool stories that 
give you some goosebumps and I hope you can, yeah, be inspired to maybe lean into some things that you might be a little bit curious about but also a little bit on the fence about. Hopefully this chat can inspire you to make some changes. If you do enjoy the episode, please send us a message on Instagram. Please click that follow button, hit subscribe. It's so, so cool to see everybody really getting behind the podcast and sharing it with their friends and making this into a community and that's what I want this to be I want it to be a place where you come you learn but then you also share what you learn with those around you because I know how much I'm learning from these episodes and I also know how much these conversations are inspiring the community that we do have so the best way to grow it is to share it with your friends so let's jump into today's episode Chris is gonna really change your mind on a lot of things I know he did with me and I can't wait for the feedback that you guys have for me so welcome to good humans podcast Chris Sol. how you going mate where are you in the world I'm, I'm good man I'm in uh, the Algarve in Portugal actually thanks for having me on bro yeah it's great to have you we've always been speaking about this for quite some time and it's um nice to finally get to sit down and have this chat with you from the other side of the world <laughs> through the computer but yes way I like to kick off the podcast is Tell me one thing you're grateful for. Mate, I'm grateful for technology. I am the, like the, this thing right now was science fiction, like just a moment ago, you know, like the idea of a screen where you, you you're in Australia right now. I'm, I'm in Portugal and we're having these, these conversations. It's just, it's, we take it for granted just how incredible it actually is to be able to do this, you know, like it's literally mm. a portal through time space. So uh, yeah, that's what I'm grateful for. I love that. It, it, we don't take that much time to reflect on how amazing some of the stuff that we use technology-wise is. And, like, and the speed of it's, advancement is just like getting to ridiculous. It's it's a psychedelic trip, you know. This this life is is there's so much to be grateful for. It's yeah. just about what what lens you install, you know. Yeah, and the more you can foster that mindset, the kind of better things get. But we've got lots to talk about today. You are a great friend of mine, an amazing meditation coach, and have had a life that is very special that I'm very interested to look into. So let's just start off. Who is Chris Sol? Chris Sol is a uh, primate that learned how to speak. <laughs> no, I um my the I'm gonna I'm gonna chop out some of the boring bits, but um essentially I'm. Uh, I'm a dual citizen. I'm a German raised Australian born kind of like two sides of the world um, individual. I was a graphic designer. That was my background um, until I learned some things, including meditation, personal development, manifestation, which sent me on a very different trajectory. Um, So I've technically been now a entrepreneur, I suppose, for about 11 years. That was the last the last job that I had. I quit in 2010 or 2011, and I've just been making up this life, kind of just stepping out into the darkness uh, before everybody became a digital nomad. So, um, so yeah, that's that's me, man. I'm a I'm a I'm just a guy who creates stuff, and I'm very interested in deep topics naturally. So I try to mold creating things with uses and try to produce things that help people, you know, that leave the planet better than I found it. Oh, I bloody love that. Yeah. We've had such a cool friendship and it's been, yeah, I like how you touched on you're kind of like a digital nomad before anyone was a digital nomad. It seems like (laughs) the last 24 months has kind of really 
magnified this working from home thing and kind of doing the life that you want to live. But yeah, you've been living that for the last yeah 10 to 15 years. It's cool. It's been, a, it's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I love that, but let's get to know how it all started, how it shaped for you. Where'd you grow up and what was your life like as a child from what you can remember? Man, I, I was actually born in Sydney, uh, 1984, but I was only there for five years. Um, and I actually went to a German preschool in Concord, believe it or not. They have a German preschool in Sydney. And uh, then I moved to Germany where I stayed until I was 13. And then I moved back to the Northern Beaches. However, I had not retained any English while I was in Germany because I went German preschool to German, you know, primary school and high school. So um, I arrived on the Northern Beaches, went to Freshwater High, which was a uh, this was before it was the Northern Beaches College campus and it became more kind of high end. This was probably one of the crappiest schools on the Northern Beaches at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, I did not understand a single word of English. Uh, obviously at that school, there was no one who spoke, spoke German. So then I just kind of sat in these classrooms for probably the better part of a year, just kind of not knowing what is happening, um, <laughs> which was definitely a, a bit of a troopy experience <laughs> when I think back. Um, after that, you know, I studied graphic design, uh, found a job in the corporate world because our teachers told us that if you want to make money as a designer, then you need to sell your soul essentially as an in-house designer rather than going to an agency. Um, I did the corporate life thing for a few years, ended up working for the government, working for Mervac property development and some ad agencies, but really deep down, it was always very, um, it was never very satisfying for me. I, 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 to be honest, I disliked every single second of it. If I'm really perfectly honest, mm. I always knew that this is, this isn't it. This isn't it. This isn't it. And, um, at 26, I ended up burning out. Um, I took on a project for the government. Then they escalated my position and just kept giving me like more and more responsibility, even though I was telling them like, I'm not the guy for this project. I'm very disorganized. I'm a creative person. I like, you know, this is not what I'm good at. I'm not a project manager, Um, but I'm also not a quitter. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I, I, I did a project that was meant to take three months. It ended up taking nine months. I even had the minister for education from New South Wales call me once and start yelling at me over the phone because it was taking so long. I stressed out so hard in this job. I would go to sleep at night and I would immediately be back at the office. And so I would dream and work in my dreams and then I would wake up and then the nightmare would really begin. And uh, I lost five, six kilos in that time. And then as soon as I finished this project, I was like, I am out. I am, I don't care how I make money, but like, I'm, I'm out of here. So I quit. And, um, luckily at the time I knew a few DJs and they knew I was a very good graphic designer. And they said, Hey, you know, I know, I know some clubs who need some flyers. I need a logo whatever. And then, so just kind of sticky tape together, a graphic design studio. That was just me. And, uh, I moved to King's cross in the city, right into the, the night, nightlife district. Well, when it was still, you know, pumping back then. And um, I was just basically designing flyers for clubs and then collecting cash on the weekends while everyone was out. And uh, that was me for, I think, about three years. Um, Early on, do you want me to go into- Yeah, you keep going. I'm going to rewind back to your school days, but keep going. You're in a good flow. Yeah, no worries. Um, 
Well, so, you know, for me, a, a huge turning point in my life was learning meditation, which uh, came about out of meeting my, my current partner, Rochelle. So, uh, you know, my, my fiance, we've been together for almost 11 years now, believe it or not. And uh, when we met, she was struggling with a lot of mental health challenges. Uh, she, was, she was one person to the public and another person behind closed doors. So she had gotten really, really good at just putting on a brave face and just kind of wearing a mask. But uh, I got to see what was behind the mask. And it was somebody who was riddled with anxiety and depression and panic attacks and night terrors and eating disorders and everything else. And um, that was a huge turning point in my life because um, I, I like I lost my father when I was five to suicide. So mental health has definitely been something I knew for a long time was a serious topic. It wasn't something to just shy away from. Mm. And uh, I could see that for her, if somebody wasn't going to go through the trenches with her, basically, to try to figure this out, like no one was. Mm. And uh, she was honestly at the edge, you know, like she had her mind, her mind was trying to convince her to end her life, like quite directly and and all the time and so we ended up going on a mission for god i think a year and three four months or something of just trying you know just dr googling it you know just trying how do i solve depression how do i solve anxiety what can you do and then we tried all these different therapies you know from uh, eft tapping and you know listening to alan watts all day long trying to just kind of like philosophically talk herself out of this doom spiral you know trying you know, medications, SSRIs, you know, cannabis, psilocybin, MDMA, you, you name it. We're just through the kitchen sink at this thing. And it was interesting to see that a lot of the stuff worked, but only for like a short while, you know, for like a day or two or even a week occasionally. Um, but nothing really stuck. And then a year and a bit into the journey, a good friend of ours, Julian, he, um, he just recommended, he says, Hey, have you ever tried meditation? And I was like, you know, this is 2011. So at the time there was no headspace, there was no calm, you know, people weren't coming out of the closet as like med meditators yet. It was still kind of this weird thing that you, you know, knew was that you thought was just for people who had time on their too much time on their hands. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're Chinese or something, or they live in a cave. It was, it was funny. It's, it's, I had my skepticisms Rochelle had her skepticisms, but we kind of thought, you know what, it's, a, it's this or her life at this point. Mm. And uh, we ended up finding a meditation center in Sydney, which cost, charged a $1,000 to learn a meditation technique that soldiers were basically doing who were coming back from the war. Um, now, before this, we actually went to a childhood trauma psychologist and she explained that Rochelle was dealing with PTSD. It was, it was PTSD from childhood trauma that was in there that was constantly being refired. You know, every time you watch a movie and there's a violent scene or a gunshot or whatever, it's just like this stress response is kept being triggered. And it's just, you know, whether it's a text message, whether it's a sound, whether it's a person, there's all these triggers in her environment that were basically controlling her inner state. And um, meditation 
you know, we we saw that these soldiers were doing it who were basically suicidal, who had seen terrible things, who couldn't close their eyes without seeing all kinds of atrocities, who couldn't hold down a job or a relationship or anything else. And they learned this meditation method. And within like weeks, sometimes everything would start to change for them. And so we gave it a try. We gave it a shot and she learned it. And lo and behold, it here was a lasting solution that just required a little bit of maintenance, you know, 10 or 20 minutes a day, not even every single day if you don't want. And it changed everything. And um, for, for myself, you know, watching this, seeing all these changes going through her, obviously I, I started meditating as well in order for us to have accountability. And uh, I noticed in myself a, a humongous amount of changes, which we can cover mm. as well in a bit. And, um, and yeah, I mean, fast forward, I think four or five years after, you know, we'd been bringing up meditation to anyone that would listen, you know, every party, every coffee shop, it doesn't matter, every Uber driver, we're basically telling them to start meditating. <laughs> then uh, eventually we decided like, you know what, we just need to help this thing get out there. So like, let's make our own meditation school and let's teach this method, but without the spiritual decoration, you know, without, without making it bigger than it needs to be and explaining it with like practical metaphors, making it cool for for young people. And, uh, and yeah, and that's when we founded Mindspo, our meditation school and created an online course, which is the method that you've obviously been practicing as well, Coops. Mm. And, um, and yeah, and Man, there we are. <laughs> it, it's, it's so powerful hearing you talk about the story like that, like the why behind everything that you guys do is so strong and so pure. And it's like, like, I love Rochelle too. And I'm going to get her on the podcast and, the power that comes from that story and your ability to articulate it and share it with such just honesty that it came from that point of like Rosh basically needed it if she wanted to survive. And then sure. that's kind of where your guys world opened up from that rock bottom almost where, like you said, you finished kind of school with not much, like going into a job that you needed to get out of getting trapped and being feeling how you did in that job. And then finding meditation, which I'm sure it probably, which you already know, has had so many benefits for you. But coming out of the job you're in, I'm sure there was points where you needed something as transformative and as changing as meditation can be. Absolutely. I want to rewind just a little bit just to kind of give a bit of direction for people because I do have quite a young audience. What was the goal when you left school? What were your, what were your dreams and ambitions sort of leaving school going into your 20s? It's funny, right? Because when you're when you're really young, you don't even know what careers really entail, you know. And sometimes there's an idea about a career, and but it's really just like a castle in the sky, you know. Um, like I, for instance, I have an intern currently who studied to be a veterinarian for for years because she loves animals. Ended up becoming a vet. Ended up having a nervous breakdown within the first year because it's not just cuddling animals, you know. It's, mm. Sometimes it's putting the animals down. And, uh, you know, now she's finding an entirely new career for me, actually, when I was, when I was young, I wanted to be a banker. <laughs> Don't ask me why. I think I just thought that that meant you were very affluent and you could do all the things you want to do. Um, but as I got older, my grades at school were actually very bad. Uh, I had just D's, E's and F's in everything, except for art. I always had an A in art. 
Mm. And so I kind of picked up pretty early. Funnily enough, my grades actually got better when I moved to Australia, even though I couldn't speak the language. Yeah, I was about to say, how hard was that moving to a school, not being able to speak the language? How secluded did you feel and how hard was it to fit in? Um, it definitely wasn't easy, man. It wasn't easy. I think what, what helped me was um, like the school I went to in Germany, I had a pretty good group of friends there and they were, I think they were quite, they were a lot more mature beyond their, their, their years, I suppose. Like we were like 12, but we'd just be kind of mm. communicating about like, how was your weekend? You know, yeah. when I moved, to, when I moved, when I moved to Australia and I moved, went to this school, it was, you know, high school, I'm sure these days it's still the same, but back then, especially there was a lot of bullying, you know, everybody's bullying everyone basically constantly. It's just paying each other out and pushing each other and doing whatever else. For me, I couldn't understand what they were saying. <laughs> you know, so I'm just like, okay, I don't know what's going on, but I understand two words, Chris and Nazi. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, which means I don't, I mean, come on, these kids are like 13. They don't even know what a Nazi is at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So, but like, I, I just kind of, I put on a brave face. I kind of just, you know, I was like, whatever. I met a couple of guys, started hanging out with them, you know, as a German moving to Australia, it, it takes a while to get rid of that accent, I gotta say. Mm. And it was definitely, it was definitely a wrench in the works when it came to my like dating game. <laughs> when I was like 17 and everyone's starting to like go to parties and mac out with girls. And I've still got this very sick German accent. I was <laughs> like, ah, son of a bitch. <laughs> but um, no, nah, like it was, it was, you know, like there was definitely like some bullying and everything else and fitting in, but I, I, I don't know. I didn't really take it too much to heart and it wasn't very physical. I think there was one kid who actually wanted to have a fight with me once when I was like 14 and we kind of just rolled around on the floor and just putting elbows into each other. And then kind of everyone just left me alone after that. Cause they realized like I was actually going to fight back. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, I mean, school for me was, in all honesty, you know, it was, it was a bit of a waste of time, to be honest, for me. Like, I, I, did, not, I did not really fit in. I didn't get much out of the classes at all. Um, I, like I said, my, you know, my report cards were, you know, Chris needs to, Chris would, if he applied himself and stopped disrupting, you know, the other students, yeah. <laughs> that was, I was one of those guys. And uh, I'm, you know, I'd just be drawing, I'd just be drawing all over myself all day long. Like I would come home with like tattoo sleeves with like Che Guevara and all kinds of stuff, tat like all over my arms with pen. So uh, yeah, that was, that was school for me. <laughs> yeah. It's it so wasn't how often that comes up that people like hated school, but then end up in a place of happiness and being a meditation teacher now, how beneficial do you think it would have been if you learned meditation at a younger age, or do you think you wouldn't have been ready to hear it back then? No, I definitely would have been ready. Definitely. I think the key is just, you have to explain it to people in a context that they will be interested in, mm. you know? So like, what's the pain point? So like, you know, maybe, you know, what, what is, the question is simply, what are you dealing with as a student? You know, is it fitting in? Is it bullying? Is it talking to girls? Is it getting good grades? Is it sleeping? Like, what is it? You know, find out what that unique issue is because I guarantee you, meditation will play a role that's the thing like i always say this i go give me a topic and i will show you how meditation will help you you know if you're trying to get a job interview 
well then it being a present and calm and collected and sharp individual is going to make get get you the job people will be like i don't know why i, I really like this person he's really calm i feel calmer when i'm around them mm. let's hire this person you know whether it's uh like it doesn't really matter what it is honestly it's like the benefits of meditation are so much wider than people appreciate mm. because it goes to the heart of like really one of the most important aspects of you that relates to every single other thing, which is the voice inside your head. Mm. You have a voice inside your head that's talking to you at all times, all day long. We have this thing, this chatterbox up here. Most people just aren't even aware of it. They're so used to it. You know, like as a kid, you're not taught to be aware of your thoughts. Mm. But when you realize that like, I have this chatterbox inside my skull and not everything it's telling me is actually useful or the truth even. And, um, my God, I mean, here's a, here's a good one I realized recently, right? Think about when you're a student and you go and you sit in that big auditorium to do an exam, right? How do you feel? Chances are you're very stressed, right? Because your parents have put a crap ton of importance on this test, which is a lot of pressure. Okay, so here's a funny thing. When you're stressed, guess what happens to your brain? Your memories your ability to recall memories is diminished because stress is a form of fight or flight, which means your body is prepared to run, to fight or to freeze, to survive, right? Now you're doing a bloody geography exam. This <laughs> isn't a life or death situation, but your body doesn't know any different. So it starts getting even mildly stressed. And now here's the thing. If you're in a situation where you're genuinely in danger, your brain does not want you to philosophize or reminisce or do any of this stuff. It just wants you to react from your spinal cord and get out of there, you know, fight for your life or run for your life. Mm. So that's the moment when you need your faculties, your brain to be calm and all the channels to be open and all the information is coming in. The moment when you need it most is the moment where you are most debilitated in your memory recall because your stress response is activated. Mm. Like they say when you are stressed, your IQ can sometimes lower up to as much as 50 points. So wow. a moment ago, you were quite clever. Now you have a learning disability. And it's all because your stress hormones are taking over. The voice inside your head is like, you're going to screw up. You're not going to make it. You're going to blah, 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 blah. And my God, if you just closed your eyes before that exam for 10 minutes even and just put it in that loop and just done that little routine and calmed your nervous system down and reminded yourself that you're not the voice inside your head, even though you have it in there. It's just a part of you. It's not all of you. The difference that would have made, like also, also students who disrupt the class because they can't what? Pay attention, attention span. All right, well, there we have something else that's eroding by the year at the moment. Like you ever been on TikTok? Stuff's amazing. Stuff's so good on there. It's hard to put it down, right? But the thing is, it's like next, 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 next. Oh, Australia. Oh, someone dancing. Oh, business. It's jumping between so many parts of the brain. It's like, it's incredible that we're keeping up. Honestly, it's, it's a testament to the power of our biological setup that we can take in so much information and still be functioning. But at the same time, there's definitely a cost. And a part of that is that people just find it harder and harder to pay attention for, you know, more than like seconds sometimes, like it's a few seconds and you're off. And so if you can't control that, 
then learning is going to be very difficult. Listening to people is going to be very difficult, you know? Um, so my God, if I had learned meditation when I was at school, wow. Mm. <laughs> I, I can't think of anything more valuable to learn at a younger age because, you know, bullying, if you realize, if you start tapping in, you're going to start feeling like, hey, I just insulted that kid and now he's really upset. I don't really feel that good about that, you know, because, but when you intuitively, you will feel that intuitively in your heart, you will feel that. But your mind, when your mind is noisy, it drowns out intuition, you know, it drowns out like you just start, you know, it's this crazy thing. It's like people don't realize we have two types of consciousness. You know, this is something that's quite recent, really. It's like the last 20, 30 years they've been figuring this out, but this is not common knowledge yet. You know how people say, think with your head, think with your heart. They always say mm. that, right? Here's something crazy. There's 100,000 neurons in the heart. They discovered this like in the last 20 years at HeartMath in America. They've been studying the heart and they found out that like it actually has a consciousness. Like you literally have a second brain in your chest, which is why it feels like sometimes it's guiding you or like it's telling me something or it's giving you a little hunch, a little intuitive kind of nudge. So like, but the thing is the, the heart, when it's talking to you, it doesn't use words. It doesn't use thoughts. It uses feelings. And those feelings can very easily just be drowned out with just mental noise. But the thing is when you try to solve stuff with your head, you have two hemispheres. So it's kind of like your brain starts playing ping pong. You know, it's like one side's the creative side and one side's the analytical side. And you'd be like, well, from a creative standpoint, I really like this thing. And then it's like, no, 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 but you really want that other thing. And then you just start, you know, when you convince yourself of one mm. thing and then you start second guessing yourself immediately. So this is just like back and forth and back and forth. And it just scatters you. Whereas, you know, if you're asking yourself, like, what do I actually want to do with my life later? What do I want to do as a career, for instance? How do I want to contribute to society? You're going to be better off listening to this because this thing knows. Right? Mm. Whereas this thing is going to tell you, ah, oh, that might be a really good one. And um, yeah, it's just, I don't know, the benefits of meditation at a, a younger age. In this day and age where we are bombarded with you know, clickbaits and fight or flight and fear and all this kind of crap. Like if you're not doing something to minimize and manage the input of stuff, then like you, you are missing out on a totally different way to live your life. You mm -hmm. know, um, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Sorry. Crazy <laughs> like, I, I, Oh, I love talking I to you about this topic, the way that you can articulate and the way that you just get on flows and go deep into it. It just shows how critically you think about it, but then also the awareness that you have to pull back and understand the benefits of meditating. So let's go into what meditation is doing in our brain per se that is counteracting all these things that we just that you spoke about from this chatterbox that we have in our head so what is meditation doing to slow it down and what have you found it does for you man uh where to begin you know like honestly yeah. the the amount of effects are, are so so there's so many effects i mean i'm gonna i'm not gonna bore you with like mad science i'm gonna talk more about anecdotally what it's done mm. for me because that's that's where i can speak with the most truth 
Um, you know, I mean, from a neuroscience perspective, I do know that it, it, it calms down your amygdala, which mm. is the, the fear center of the brain. If yes. there's one part of the, your brain that you want to calm down, it's definitely your, your monkey, you know, in there that, that's still running on caveman kind of software. Yeah, I spoke um, to an amazing chick, um, Nicole, last week on Good Humans podcast around, who, who, she's a neuroscientist and we spoke about a bunch of topics and meditation was brought up and she spoke about that shrinking of the amygdala, which is the fear processing right. center, which was, um, yeah, super fascinating. So anyone listening, make sure you go back and listen to that. It would have been last week's episode, but yeah, let's keep going into, yeah, like you said, anecdotally, what it's doing and the benefits that you're seeing and you've seen on those that you've taught. Absolutely. So, I mean, for me, there's, there's, there's short-term effects and long-term effects, right? There's stuff that you're going to feel immediately. And um, something I do want to point out here is that different meditation methods vary mm. in their, their effects. Uh, there are a lot of meditations out there, which you can definitely call meditation, but they are stimulating as in it's like you're still adding input to your brain. Now, quite often these are like guided meditations, right? Where somebody is essentially speaking to you and they're getting you to focus on different things and maybe there's harmonious sounds and you definitely calm down a bit from those and you can feel positive, you can even manifest, there's all these things you can do. But then there are types of meditation which really allow you to still the brain, which allow you to, you know, that more stereotypical thing that people think that like, oh, I'm gonna meditate and stop my mind. It's like they essentially try to do that, even though really stopping the mind is something that happens very, very rarely. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like, because anyone listening to this who is part of my 1% club, I've been sending just the guided ones. Because I think the way that I look at it, like guided ones are almost like having training wheels on. It's just a good way to get used to sitting down and understanding, getting talked into it because it is a distraction for your mind. Absolutely. And then, because uh, I know on Manifesty, which we will talk about your guys' meditation and mind and our manifestation app, there is a few that are quite guided, like the energy and motion one I did recently where you've like, so there is ones where there is a um, benefit and yep. you're not guiding people away from that. But no. just understanding that the, I mean, maybe go through a few of the different types of meditations and then the benefits and then, yeah, because there is levels to it all. For sure. Exactly. There's definitely levels. Um, so some of the meditations that we have in the app, you know, there's like, you know, you can do visualization meditations, for instance, where somebody is guiding you through steps of seeing something inside of your mind, imagining that you're in the future and you meet an old friend and you talk about how you held a success and then you feel the success. There's all this stuff, you know, that you can do. But the meditation that we learned when Rochelle needed to really tackle her mental health challenges that was a meditation method that's much more traditional. Mm. What it does essentially is, um, and many different meditation methods use the same approach. You basically have a single point of focus, right? The mind is always jumping all over the place and it's jumping from one thought to another and into the future and to the past and back and forth and everything. But you choose one single thing. And, you know, there are meditation methods where you stare at a flame or you listen to sounds in the distance, for instance. The meditation method that we practice, that I still practice now after 11 years, involves having a meaningless sound that you play inside of your head. So you don't even say it out loud. You just, it's like you imagine hearing this sound. This sound doesn't mean anything. It has, it's a placeholder for your attention. And it has two syllables. 
And, uh, and you basically play it one syllable as you're breathing in and the other sil- syllable as you're breathing out. And it's just this kind of, it's kind of like a, um, you know, that kind of sound. Mm. You play this inside of your head. And now what happens is, is the whole name of the game is to, to stay awake and aware enough to know where your mind is, where is your attention? Because what happens is, is the moment you try to focus your attention on a single thing and keep it there, because we're also scatterbrain, the brain will just like go, oh, what about this thing? And you'll immediately thought, think about something else. And this is perfectly normal. This is what happens to every single person on the planet when they first start meditating. Even after you've been doing it for years, the first time you sit down, your mind has all of this stuff built up, all of these thoughts. And then you're like, okay, let's focus on one thing. All right, you focus on the one thing, your mind wanders. Then you pick up your mind and you put it back to the same thing. You, so you, you take, you pay attention to where, what are you doing in your head? And this is where really one of the most valuable side effects of meditation comes in, which is self-awareness, right? It's a, it's a designated period of time where you literally are watching your mind like you're another person. So you're like, okay, I'm going to watch my mind and see what it's doing. And I'm going to try to keep it on this sound. Oh, it's wandering off into some thought. Okay, I'm going to bring it back to the sound. Oh, now it's thinking about tomorrow. Okay, back to the sound. Oh, what am I going to eat for lunch? Back to the sound. And you do this over and over and over. So on the outside, you're sitting there all calm and quiet. And you look like you're just doing nothing. And people are like, what's that weird person doing with their eyes closed? But inside, there is a continual push and pull, which is almost like a rep. It's like uh, training a puppy to sit. You go sit, it wanders off. You go sit, it wanders off. You go sit, it wanders off. And when you, and here's here's where the magic happens. The first 10 minutes or so feels pretty much the same. You're like, my mind's just constantly wandering off like some confused thing that's just like, oh, I can't fucking pay attention to anything, (laughs) right? But when you stay with it, there comes a point after like 15 minutes, and it's always different. It depends on what's happening in your life, depending on what time of day you do it, how, how busy you are. But there comes a point when you stay with it, where it's like almost, it's almost like because you're not letting your mind wander off into these storylines, it's like you're depriving it of attention or energy or something. And there comes a point where your mind is like, I don't think Chris wants to keep thinking about random stuff. And it's like, it starts turning down the volume. And this is when, you know, whereas in the beginning, when you're like, okay, I'm going to focus on one thing and my mind wanders and I'm back to the thing and it wanders, there comes a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to stay with this one thing. And then your mind wanders and you're like, okay, now it's like a second, right? And it, the gap, the time that you can keep your mind on something keeps getting longer. And it's kind of like, It's like, imagine having a bicycle and you lift up the back wheel, right? And you kind of push the pedal once. All right, now the wheel is spinning and it's going like this. This is like your mind. It has a lot of momentum behind it. It can keep rolling like this for another minute or two. So you have to give it time when you're meditating. Do you have to to give your mind the space and time for it to calm itself down? This is what everybody screws up when they first start learning meditation, because in life, you're always using force. You're always like, I'm going to come along and do this thing and hustle and Gary Viet, you know, and just kind of go do, do, do. Meditation is one particular topic where it's like a paradox. The way you get there is actually by doing nothing. 
Mm. Um, so like you can't stop your mind because the mind is way too reactive. It will respond to every single thing. Like you want to do, make it do this. Oh, it'll do the opposite, you know? So you just have to give it room. You have to give it breathing space. You have to say, okay, I'm not my thoughts. My thoughts are now here and I'm going to watch my thoughts. And if you can watch your thoughts for long enough, 10, 15 minutes, eventually they just start to calm down. And the thing is, your thought processes are so closely tied to what's going on inside your body. Like we have so much tension and anxiety and stress and everything built up in us that when you calm this, this starts to calm down. Just as when you calm this down, this also starts to calm down. You know, you can go and exercise and run and do all kinds of kinds of stuff to, to get energy out. And you'll notice your mind will start to kind of calm down as a side effect. Um, but, okay, so this is kind of like the, the mechanism, essentially, right? You give your brain space for it to calm itself down. Now, the side effect of that, whoa, okay. First of all, you become very calm. Okay, so you open your eyes and you're like, I'm the calm center of the universe all of a sudden. I mean, I often come out of a meditation and like, I have nothing going on up here sometimes, sometimes nothing for seconds, 10 seconds, five seconds. And then I literally choose what am I going to think about? Well, what's most important? Oh, I want to do this creative project. All right, well, let me use all of my forces now. I'm not thinking about yesterday and tomorrow and all these other things. I'm just all here. So if you ever have something important where you know you need to be on point, let's say you've got to give a speech. That's a perfect example. You want to be calm. You want to be intelligent, articulate, centered, you know, confident, you know, okay, well then calm your mind beforehand. Oh my God, this is going to make the world of difference. Mm. Now the self-awareness that comes with this though, this is like, it's invaluable because your mind is going to mess with you a bunch of times, a lot of times in your life. And you're going to have beliefs and programs and stories in your head that weren't really put there by you. We all have stories that were put there by some person's misplaced words, some family member, some ex, whatever it is, you know, someone said something hurtful to you and you're like, oh, you took it in and you made it a slight little belief that made you think that you're not good enough. We all have this. This is, we pick up these stories as we grow up. When you have self-awareness, you can start to notice those and you, you'll notice them as they come up. So you'll want to finally, you know, step out of your comfort zone and do something a little more courageous. And as soon as you do it, your mind goes, but Chris, do you really think you're worth it? And what if everybody hates you, you know? And so you can watch that and be like, whoa, look at that. My brain just tried to tell me that everyone's going to hate me. Huh? Mm. And you can just laugh it off. This is, this, this is like, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like a cloak of invisibility that protects you from bullshit. I think, you know, it <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think that's like one of the main things that I've realized from meditating daily and really trying to make it a practice is creating that gap between something happening and the reaction I have to it. I think that is kind of what you're explaining there, this self-awareness yes. when something happens and you straight away want to judge or react or have an opinion it gives you that little bit of space. And I've spoken to um, Tom Carroll. You have to go back and have a listen to Tom Carroll. He's a, sure, you know, Tom Carroll's a big server, yeah. Yeah, two-time yeah. world champ. I spoke to him quite early on in Good Humans podcast and he's he went through like drug addiction and blah, 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 and then found meditation in his, um, at rehab. And he's been meditating every day for like 15 years. Like he's amazing. 
but he speaks about this idea of this gap and the more that you meditate almost the longer it feels like that gap is between something happening between anything happening in life and reacting to it and having an yeah like i said having an opinion like being angry at someone like you kind of realize that nothing should phase you and the more that i've meditated the more i've realized how insignificant things that i thought thought were significant were based on the self-belief and the chatter that i've created in my mind from like you touched on before what i've heard from other people what i've read from somewhere else and like your truth is what you believe and the more that we can yeah detach from the thoughts telling us what is real and what is yeah that's that's kind of just my experience that i've noticed Absolutely. It's, it's, you know, it's the difference between living life on autopilot where everything is constantly influencing you and it's just going in and you're just running off the same automatic program. You know, how many people end up just going into a loop and then just repeating the same behaviors, the same actions. And it's because we're designed to do that. It keeps us safe, right? Like find something predictable and just keep doing it over and over. That sounds great in terms of an evolutionary survival tactic, but as a human in 2022, living on this planet where this is like such an insane time to be alive, like the possibilities are endless, but technology is a, a double-edged sword. You know, mm. it gives us infinite knowledge and then it erodes our attention span. Oh, damn, you could know anything at all, but now you just don't even have the ability to watch you know, a single video to the end without pulling out your phone and scrolling or something. So it's, it's really taking responsibility for mm. your emotions, your thoughts, your words, and building in, you know, a kind of like an inner guardian. It's like a guard tower, you know, that you can, uh, that you can Im- install inside of your mind that keeps an eye over, for instance, someone, when someone comes and they start telling you something that you actually really don't want to hear, it's something negative, they're complaining, they're telling, talking shit about someone else. You can literally feel yourself stowing that information at the forefront of your mind, whereas usually it just goes in and you're like, I'm feeling it now and it's really Mm. going in. You'll be able to be like, let me just pile all of this up at the frontier and then just go like it's it's, you know, but the the other side effects of all of this is for me, a huge one uh, are memory and sleep. Those two things were absolutely revolutionized for me from meditation. It used to take me an hour to an hour and a half a, a night to fall asleep because I'd be lying there and I'd start thinking about all kinds of stuff. And then I'm going to get stressed and I worry about tomorrow. And then I wonder, will I fall asleep soon? I start on that story. Mm. Once I learned meditation, I realized I would lie down in bed and then I'd start doing the same thing for five minutes. You know, I'd be thinking about all kinds of stuff. But then I get to a moment where I'm like, wait, what am I doing? I'm trying to go to sleep. You know, I'm currently wasting time that I yeah. could have tomorrow morning. Okay. So then in that moment, I just go boop, and just sit back yeah. from my thoughts. And I watch the thoughts for a moment and they just kind of then start to like dissipate. And then I just, and then I fall asleep. Yeah. Now I it takes me five as, to 10 minutes. Yeah. I feel that too. And it's not to say that you have to meditate directly before going to sleep. It's just no. that it's that constant awareness that your thoughts yes. aren't you. And that's what I feel like meditation really does bring. In fact, I would say the best time to meditate really is in the morning because mm. your mind will calm down while you're sleeping. 
naturally. Your mind does calm down somewhat. However, if you go to, if you go to sleep thinking about something, you're going to wake up thinking about that same thing, right? So there is like a continuation, but it's easier to meditate in the morning than it is later in the day because you haven't had the whole day's events to, to unscramble. And also, if you're about to go into the day, into school, to work, to see your friends, whatever it, whatever it is you're doing, you're going to want your mind to be you know, calm and straight and stable and your emotions to be regulated for all of those experiences. Mm. You don't want to just go and then get stressed and then try to like do it as a, you know, you want to do it as a maintenance procedure rather than a remedy once you are in a kind of like nervous state. Yeah, um, that's another interesting point because I spoke to another guy, Jace McAlpine, on my podcast a couple episodes back and he spoke and it really resonated with me, this idea of meditating with context rather than meditating for the self-hack and the, um, the benefits that we hear from it. Because so often people meditate, try it once or twice or even try it multiple times and don't feel this initial benefit. But that's kind of, I think, what you're going with there. It's this longevity that it builds throughout your day. And the more that you do it, the more it becomes a practice, the more you see this ongoing benefit rather than this direct, oh, when I finish meditating, I'm going to feel clear. It's like "Mm, sometimes you finish meditating and you feel less clear. But it's just that consistency that builds this new kind of way of almost viewing the world and way of viewing your thoughts and I think that was where it came from this idea of meditating with context and hopefully people listening to this conversation will begin to get a bit more context around meditation and have that curiosity to learn a bit more maybe come and do your mindspo um course or I've just finished it I'm uh, close to finishing it you're going to do 66 days meditating in a row so that's right <laughs> I, i'm like i'm like 18 days in or 20 days in and my manifesto app little cards i'm getting pretty good um yep got a bit sidetracked but yeah this idea of meditating with context rather than doing it just for what it, what you hear it gives it's almost like saying like oh you eat because it tastes good well it's like no you eat because it gives your body energy it's like oh you don't meditate just because you're going to feel clear straight after you meditate because it is going to improve your memory it's going to make you sleep better it's going to improve your relationships because you're going to be able to have more empathy and build more kindness into your life because you have that detachment from the self-limiting beliefs that we have of ourselves absolutely like i can tell you right now like for for me the amount of changes that i experienced like i literally became chris before meditation and chris after Mm. like within six months the people that i would encounter who i hadn't seen in a while they'd be like what happened to you Mm. like i i used to be extremely i used to actually be quite aggressive i think maybe it has to do with not having a, a father growing up or something i became quite rebellious against anyone telling me what to do and school and five thousand other things I had, I was very shy, believe it or not. I wouldn't, I would always, I'd had a lot of social anxiety, um, which I think maybe came from having people always parrot everything I would say back to me in a, in a German accent when I was in mm. high school. So then I've always be like kind of hesitant to open my mouth and just be my own natural self. But all of these things changed within like months uh, from, of the time that I started meditating. Um, and it's, you know, I just kind of realized I became the, the other thing is you become, you become aware of the present moment. Mm. Like when you, when you, when you come out of meditation, especially and your mind is actually calm, you start to realize that life is one moment. Life is one infinite moment. Like we're in this moment together right now. And it'll be this moment again, when everybody's listening to this later. 
Um, so it's only ever one moment, but we're always escaping into the future, into overthinking and future tripping. Or then we start referencing the past. Oh, you remember that last time, whatever. It's like when you catch up with friends and they just, rather than creating experiences, they just kind of start settling for relating over the past. This is something that most people do as they get older. They just start like talking about, remember that time. And it's like, that's so boring. It's still this one moment right mm -hmm. now as it was back then. Why don't we go and do something instead? But it's just something that allows you to get more out of life, out of this moment, out of your health. Like you're gonna live longer. The number one cause of death is heart disease. Heart disease is caused by stress and stress eating <laughs> quite often, right? People eat their emotions. They get stressed and they soothe themselves. This is the number one cause of death. All right, well, meditation literally calms down your nervous system and it gives you the self-awareness to stop destructive habits. So mm. like, you're gonna live longer, first of all. You're gonna be all you could be. You can actually be your natural self. You can talk to big groups of people as if you are talking to just one friend. Like you won't notice that major difference. Like we have had, you know, thousands of students do our meditation course now over the last six years. The stories I've heard, mm. you know, there's, there have been people who couldn't go to school because they had too much social anxiety. And then within three months, they're at school. You know, we had one girl who was, um, she was 32. She had never, ever had a boyfriend she had a, a, a laundry list of mental health conditions and she was studying to be a psychiatrist because she was essentially self-healing whilst trying to teach it. She kind of almost got a little bit offended by the stuff that I was saying about meditation because it sounded too easy. It didn't sound like the stuff in the textbook. So she did our challenge. She did the course and our challenge. Man, six months later, she's now studying mindfulness. She wants to bring it into the practice. She's bringing it into her university. She has a boyfriend. She stopped taking her SSRIs. Like, talk about a, the entire world for her got turned upside down. We had one girl who could never go to cafes because she gets so anxious about like the waiter and the people there and everything else. And so she started meditating just before COVID. And then six months later, she was messaging me saying like, guess what? I went to two cafes this week during a pandemic <laughs> and I was totally sweet. And I'm like, it's just, it, it's wild the effect that the voice inside of your head has on every single moment in your life. Mm. And if you're not doing something to optimize that and train it, you can train it. You can become the, the master of the voice inside your head. It doesn't mean that every thought is now like, chosen by you but like you have to realize you're receiving thoughts all day long it's kind of like you get to start to choose you're like okay i'm yeah. going to accept that one oh, i'm really going to follow this thought actually that thought's kind of crap oh that one's boring it's it's like it's like having know, they pack, say, it's like having a pack of wolves like running if you're not holding onto the reins they're just going to take you wherever you want but if you can hold onto the reins and you exactly. can like realize that hey i've got control here let them be as powerful as they are but hold onto the reins and let them take you guide the direction you want to go rather than let them run in any direction they want. Yeah. The mind is a wonderful servant and a terrible master. You know, mm. that's how you got to think of it. And when you're training it, when you, when your mind, when you close your eyes and you do a meditation method and your mind goes and wanders off into some thought, the moment you'd grab it and pull it back and go, no, we are focusing on this sound or this practice or this mantra or whatever it is. That is literally like, that's, that's your mind wandering off. This is you pulling it back. 
It's literally a rep for your self-awareness every time you catch your mind. That's why when you first start meditating, you don't get annoyed that your mind is not like listening to you straight away. Guess what? Like we have 50 to 70,000 thoughts per day. You know, 80% of them are negative. 95% of them are repetitive. Like we are conditioned and we automatic. So if you suddenly come along and you want to change all that, then like, guess what? You're going to have some resistance. Mm. But what stands on the other side of that resistance is 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 a life that will give you what people think they will get when they reach when they do everything right and eventually they reach retirement and finally they'll have a big bank account and they'll have no responsibilities and they'll finally be somewhere where the nervous system calms down and the voice stops bugging them and they can just enjoy the present moment but guess what it doesn't work like that because if you haven't practiced that your entire life then you will sit in the maldives doing crossword puzzles because your mind is going like this and then as soon as you get back home, you'll get a, a job that pays you less than your old job because you just need something to do. That's what happens mm. to most people. Meanwhile, if you can learn to control this, then you get the most valuable thing in life now, which is peace of mind. Because all the mansions and Lambos and gold in the world is meaningless if your mind is fucking with you. And this is literally what you do to get this under control. I, I enjoy my life now more when nothing is going on than I used to in those moments where like, Oh, it's the weekend. I finally get to do whatever. It's like, I can have those feelings at any point. Now mm. I can be sitting at a bus stop and I'll just be like stoked that I'm alive. <laughs> like, wow, I'm still alive. This is another day. Holy mm. crap. Amazing. It's, but yeah, it's, anyway. just, it's powerful. Cause I, I feel like it comes like, and I talk about it a lot, sort of back to gratitude, this idea that, and, and I think the world is like a metaphor of our mind in the way that advertising and marketing, all of these things tell us when you get this, then you're going to be happy. Once yes. you buy this, then you're going to be happy. The best psychologists in the world are trying to tell us like fucking every second ad on TV is gambling or alcohol. Like we clearly scientifically know these things are not going to make you happy. These things are going to destroy your life. Yet legally, they're being marketed to us in front of our eyes every single day that, hey, this is good. This is going to be good for you. It's the same with our thoughts. Like we just believe them because we don't really know any different until you build that self-awareness. And that's that whole idea of like the peace is already there within you. You just need to sit with it and be aware of it rather than, yeah, let these outside sort of like these outside distractions tell you differently. It's, it's honestly like meditation to me is, is step one. It's the mm. foundation. It's, it's breaking in like the horse, you know, it's like, it's a wild horse and you need to train it. Okay. And once mm. you have trained it and you can sit on top of it, guess what? Now you can do whatever you want. You can go anywhere you want, mm. you know, but it's like, you know, also from like the manifestation perspective, when you, when you take on the model of the universe where you are actually a co-creator and you realize that your thoughts and your feelings are actually influencing the encounters that you have in your day-to-day -day life. Like the way your life is unfolding is a direct representation of your inner world. Then like you start to realize like, holy crap, if I don't take care of this, if I don't figure out how to get this under control, then you're just going to be unconsciously creating your life. That means, and like, and like, guess what? Most, most influences around us are, are negative right mm. turn on the television it's all murder and beating each other to death and war and blah 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 it's like if you just 
run with it and just let whatever go in and whatever go out, then like, man, you're just being pushed around, you know, by a circumstance, you're, mm-hmm. you're a passenger of fate and you're just hoping that things will work out. Um, meanwhile, there's so much more control that you can exact over how your life turns out and how you feel in every single moment, mm. like way more than you think. And to me, it starts with, you know, inner talking, the inner talking, get your inner talking under your, under your control. And it's not about being obsessive and trying to control every single thought. No, but it's about contributing to the conversation in your head and editing it somewhat, mm. you know? Um, yeah, I love that. Let's um, we're gonna keep moving through because we can just keep talking for hours. I got two, more, two two quick questions about meditation. How yeah. often do you practice? And when we we kind of already talked about morning's best time. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, how often do you recommend people practicing every day? So look, it, it's it's up to you, right? Ideally, you do it once a day for about twenty minutes. All right, twenty minutes is gen- twenty minutes because twenty minutes is usually enough for your mind to calm down like 90 percent of most of the time, right? And twenty minutes is a period of time everyone's got twenty minutes. Like, look at your phone's usage, see how much time you spend on Instagram today. You'll see you have twenty minutes, right? Mm. Um, now, ideally, once in the morning because it sets you up for the day, right? So that you just clear the cache, you know, turn a fresh page and boom, go about your life for the next, you know, 16 hours before you go back to sleep. Um, Here's the thing. If you skip a day, if you forget it or your mind manages to bullshit you out of doing it today, which happens quite often, just remember you're only ever one moment away from being back on the horse. So like, don't make this like, oh no, I broke the, the perfect streak. You know, I've ruined the, the built up effect. It's like, it doesn't work like that. Once you stop meditating, the world keeps bombarding you. Your mind keeps doing all this kind of stuff. By tomorrow, you're going to have a mountain built over your head of your consciousness. By the second day, you're going to have this much. By the next day, you're going to have this much. By, you know, the third day, I'm never going to notice the present moment unless I'm literally flying through the air off a cliff into the water or on a roller coaster or something. So you just close your, but you just close your eyes no matter where you are. You know, like I do it in restaurants sometimes if I'm by myself and I'm waiting for a meal, I just close my eyes. And then I know I've got like 10 minutes, 15 minutes. I wait to hear the plate hit the table. And guess what? I'm going to enjoy that meal so much more Mm -hmm. because most people eat the way they think. You know, the food arrives and they go, hum, 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 hum. hey, this reminds me of a meal I had last year. Hum, hum, hum. Meanwhile, they're not paying attention. They're yeah. not paying attention to this wonderful food. Remind you of so, you're having right now. Yeah. Um, but so, you know, ideally do it once a day. Um, if you really want to max out, do one more in the afternoon. For instance, if you have a full-time job and you give most of your time to a company, right? Then do it in the morning so that you'll have a better day. And then when you get home or on the way home, if you take a bus or something, go and meditate after work because the momentum of the day is going to still be going through your head for the next coming few hours, right? Because work is important and all this stuff happened. But now is actually your time. This part of the day, you know, between five, six o'clock and when you go to sleep, where you're with your family, your partner doing whatever, working on your side hustle, whatever it is, that's your time. And the way that you can really maximize your time is by putting an end to the chatter in your head 
when the work is done. So mm. close your eyes, ignore your thoughts until your mind calms down. And then guess what? It's going to be like you just woke up in the morning and it's a brand new day, except it's 5.30 in the evening. And now you'll be present with the family. You'll actually be calm. You're not just going to be talking about work at the dinner table and mm. kind of doing more work, you know? So um, the, the thing that I would say is the mind doesn't want to meditate. It's, I'm, I'm sure some people can manage to get their mind into like this point, but like most, for most people, the voice inside of the head doesn't want to stop. So it's going to come up with reasons why you can't meditate today. And this will happen pretty much forever. I have this now after 11, 11 years, right? I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I should go and meditate. It's time to go and meditate. And then the voice inside my head says, you know, no, 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 Chris, you've got all that stuff you to do. Come on, go, go do it later. Do it later. Yeah, yeah you haven't got time right now. <laughs> Here's one piece of advice. When the voice inside of your head tells you that you don't have time to meditate, that's the sign. That's the sign you need to go and meditate, okay? Because it's never going to encourage you. It's always going to want to keep talking. There's a great saying by the Dalai Lama. He said, we meditate for 20 minutes unless you don't have time. Then you meditate for 30, <laughs> right? Because if it's telling you you haven't got time, then like it's you know this is... You always have time to meditate. It's just that your mind thinks about everything you have to do at once. And so then you're like, oh my God, I don't have enough time to do everything. But here's the thing. You can only ever do one job at a time linearly. And guess what? How you do that work as best as you can, whatever that work is. You do it by having all of your faculties here your attention span, your nervous system is low, your overthinking's calm. All right, now I'm fully here for it, right? So like the amount of time that people lose because they multitask, because they procrastinate, because they get stressed and then they go on Instagram to self-soothe themselves. All of this can be mitigated just by keeping your nervous system and your thoughts in check with this mm. super simple free habit that will literally give you the most valuable thing in life <laughs> it's the most valuable thing in life peace of mind mm. all the materialistic stuff in the world is meaningless if you don't have that yeah. like you know if you have a billion dollars and depression you would rather be homeless and really happy just naturally in and of itself you know it's yeah. it's it's crazy that's so powerful it's such a important thing and Fire, it's been so nice getting to talk to you about meditation. You're obviously someone who I've learned so much from. I listen to your voice every morning with your guide, like early guiding to the mantra meditations. And um, yeah, we'll leave a bunch of stuff in the show notes around all your meditation school, the courses, and then also the manifesto. Yeah, one thing I want to touch on quickly is what's your wildest meditation experience? I'm sure you've got some crazy ones that there's one come to mind. Meditation, yeah. Meditation experiences. Oh man, I had one experience um, twice actually, and I don't want to give anyone here some like kind of you know hopium about being able to achieve this because I've never been able to achieve this ever again. But um, all I can say is, it felt like I was skydiving, but like I was at the same time on like a roller coaster, and I was just like. I don't know. I don't even know how to describe it. Like I felt like I was falling and I was just so happy. I was like, it was literally a moment of enlightenment. And it was in the first three months when I first started meditating, it lasted like 30 seconds. 
And all the research I did after that, eventually someone told me that that sounded like cosmic consciousness, which is the fifth level of consciousness. And apparently if you meditate for, you know, 50 years or something, you'll be able to turn it on at will. <laughs> so 39 more years <laughs> and I'll finally get there. So that would be the craziest meditation experience. <laughs> That's cool. I love that. I think, yeah, I just think hopefully this has inspired people to meditate with a bit more context to try and learn about it a bit more and understand the benefits that can come from it. Cause you've spoken so well. And so like you said at the start, you're going to so anecdotally to make it accessible, understandable and easy to digest for people out there listening. So yeah, I will leave for anyone out there listening um, a link to the meditation course in the show notes. I'll also have all of Chris's um, socials and stuff, but one last thing I want to talk about to sort of do this last segment of the podcast is manifestation it's something that I've learned a lot from yourself and Rochelle and something that is I feel like really starting to change my life do you want to explain what manifestation is for I'm sure people will know about it but the way that you view manifestation and then we'll go into talking about the app that you guys created I'd I'd love to Um, look manifestation is you know, it's a function of the universe. And uh, it's the idea that your thoughts create your reality, your thoughts and your feelings influence your reality. And in a real way, not just, you know, like it's sometimes we are under this belief that I have to do everything with my hands, you know, my pure power, that's how I'm going to do. I can't do anything besides, you know, what I do literally with my hands. And I used to be an extreme skeptic before I learned meditation. I used to be very closed-minded, very reductionist. You know, what's physical is real. Everything else is BS. I was one of those people. Um, I have had experiences in my life many times now that have proven to me the exact opposite. There are things going on in the invisible realm that you cannot see with your eyes, but just because of that doesn't mean that they're not there. And one of the, I suppose, you know, there's this function when you when you take on the idea that like I actually have to take responsibility for my thoughts my feelings my words because they will literally be reflected to me in my life right when you take that on you really take that on you start seeing evidence of it when you start having serendipitous moments more and more frequently you know the first time you think of your mate and he calls you and you your phone you're like oh my god i was just thinking about you you know the first time that stuff like that happens you're like wow what are the odds you know when that starts happening every two three days uh for like continuously you start going like okay whoa there's like some energy going on here for one i mean Yeah, I'd love to tell you a manifestation story and I want to tell it to you as short as I possibly can because I can make this one last like 15 minutes, but I'm going to tell it as short as I possibly can. All right, great. So um, I've had many, many manifestations happen and a lot of them could, could be written off if you just saw them one at a time, like, oh, that's just pure coincidence. But um, there was one which was so wild. It actually came after I asked the universe literally to give me evidence. I said, give me an experience that is so beyond a reasonable doubt that if you took me to a courtroom and hooked me up to a lie detector test, you'd literally have to rule in favor of the law of attraction. That's how gnarly of a manifestation I asked for. All right. So here's what happened. I moved to Bali five years ago and 
as before I was moving there, I, I pictured in my head, okay, what would my life look like in Bali? Because I realized that you have to create pictures in your head if you want to guide your life essentially through this power. You have to start seeing pictures like what, you know, what kind of car do you want? Literally exactly what kind of car? Like what's the year? What's the interior look like? What's what, like learn everything about it. What's the house? Where is the house? What do you want your relationship to feel like? be specific. So for me, I was like, okay, what's a picture in my head that I could bring up about my life in Bali? And I had this very um, juvenile picture come to mind of myself dressed all in black on a, on a black dirt bike, just like hammering it across the Changu shortcut. <laughs> and I was like, okay, cool. So that's because I used to have a motocross bike when I was younger and I hadn't had one in like 10 years. And I was like, man, I'm going to get a motocross and just be one of these really annoying people on a loud motocross bike in Changu, whatever. So then I moved there and I think I was there for maybe six months, four, five, six months or something. I got a little house and, uh, and it came to this point where I was like, I think it's time. I think it's time I fulfill this vision, you know, to get my, um, get my motocross. And um, now I said to my partner, I said to Rochelle, I'm like, I'm going to buy this motocross bike. And she said, no, you're not. You're, because we had this really crappy scooter and she'd be sitting on the back and it's like a small scooter. She goes, no, we're upgrading the scooter to like a big, nice, comfy one before anything. And I go, all right, fair enough. Right. But just because she said no, now I was like, doesn't mean I stopped thinking about it. So I kind of reinvigorated this picture in my head of like me on this motocross. And so then I'd be, I was riding my scooter through Changu and I'd imagine I was on the motocross. Suddenly I'd imagine I'd be singing a little bit taller. I could almost hear the sound of the engine in my ear. I'm like simulating the future because this is literally how you influence reality. You practice the future ahead of time but not from a i want i will whatever perspective but i am so like what would it feel like if you were there now and a little hint here if for instance you want a really special kind of car or something like that imagine you actually had the car not the first moment not like oh my god i can't believe i've got it because that's not a vibration like you have it it needs to be very natural. Ah, oh, I have my car. I'm going to go and jump in my car. It's very normal for me. So anyway, so I'd be imagining I'm on this motocross bike. At the same time, I started second guessing the color of it because I had painted my house in Changu white on the outside to cool it down because it's like right on the equator, right? And the house is like dark gray and it's heating up inside. So I painted the entire house like white, like Mykonos basically. And so I started thinking, I'm like, do I really want a black motocross bike? Because every time I sit on it, it's going to be like boiling hot. And I go, white, white motocross bike. Have I ever seen a white motocross bike? Never in my life. Why would you get a white motocross bike? It's meant to be covered in dirt, right? But I was like, whatever, I'll paint it. I'll get like the seat redone in like white leather or something. I was like, white, yeah, white. Okay, cool. So then a couple of weeks later, I come out of this takeaway joint and Rochelle recognizes this couple as they're crossing the road and they start talking. I've never met them before. And they invite us to dinner across the road. So we end up having dinner and I ask them like, you know, what are you guys like working on and whatever? And he's like a, um, a street artist from Canada and she's an influencer from Australia. And he's like, man, my dream is to run uh, retreats in Thailand where I teach people like spray paint and like graffiti and, and like street art. 
And I was like, man, well, you know, lucky you, because like we've just run our first two meditation retreats ever. And like it was a huge learning curve. Like we learned so much, you know, marketing, sales pages, you know, refunds, bloody structuring the, the whole program, all these things, finding the venue. So I was like, all right, well, look, I'm just going to download everything that I can think of right now. Right. So I just start talking. Rochelle starts talking. We're just like sharing everything we possibly can. Here's how you, where you set up your bank accounts, where you set up, where you register the company, what you do when, you know, there's a power struggle, like every little thing. Right. And they're just furiously writing notes the whole time. They're like, wow, wow, wow. We get to the end of the dinner and uh, they've got a baby, right. They have like, they have had an infant like with them. That's like three months old. And so he says to me, he goes, man, like, thank you so much for you know just giving like so freely and like just sharing all of that um so like we're actually leaving bali in like two days right um and i've got this bike and i don't know where to put it i haven't had time to sell it right so i was thinking like maybe you'd like to have it maybe maybe i'll give you the bike and if i need more like if i need more support and stuff i can like text you on whatsapp and now here's the thing the old me the old me would have been like, no, 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 no. You know, that usual thing, that usual cringy thing that everyone does. Yeah. But here's the thing. If you block the universe when it's trying to give you something, mm. then you're also stopping somebody else from like giving, right? If you don't receive it, you're, you're blocking the flow of abundance. So I learned that. So instead of being like, no, 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 I kind of went, what kind of bike is it? <laughs> and, uh, and he pulls out his phone and it is a 250cc motocross bike in all white. Bullshit. I'm not fucking kidding. It, wow. it, 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 that, that fucked me up. I was like, whoa. Like, yeah. yeah. Wow. And most, most, and most, my, most bikes in Bali are not 250. They're one, two, five, two strokes. And I wanted a four stroke 250. And here mm. it was. So I don't think I've ever seen a white motorbike either. Like, yeah. what are the odds there? That's crazy, man. Dude, a white motocross bike. You know what I mean? And like, yeah, I, I, I got asked, given it too. Like, after I got saying given you couldn't it. Afford it. Like, I got wow. given it, dude. You know, it's it is wild how this shit works. Like, you know what? You know what's really funny too. This was the second time I was given a free bike. The first one was actually in Mermaid Waters, where you are now. That's right. Uh, yeah, literally. So like. Six years ago, I made a manifestation movie, which is when the whole thing about manifesting is, is you need to activate your emotions, right? You need to see your future and feel like you are there while at the same time being grateful for where you are already now. So you don't go like now sucks and then it will be amazing. You have to find the ability to do both. One of the best ways to activate your emotions is music and visual cues. So what you can do is you get pictures or videos of stuff that you want in your life. And then uh, you basically construct a movie with a song that gets, gives you a really high vibration, something you know, that gives you the goosebumps, something that really gets mm. you. And you combine all of this together with affirmations on the screen. And then you just watch this every day. And so as you're listening to that music and you're seeing this house, the car, whatever it is, you know, you're just like, wow, you're getting in this high vibe state. You keep returning back to the set point. So I made one of these movies while I was in the Gold Coast and uh, I started watching it and I had two photos of motorbikes in there. And one of them was like a stripped down bopper, like motorbike, you know, like those ones with the really minimal kind of road bikes, mm. like really big ones. And, you know, 
I'd always wanted one of these, but like I'd never had one, whatever, nothing. So I start watching this movie. A week later, uh, Josh Shaw, who's a friend of Sam Evans, he wanted to learn meditation. He just quit his job. He just left a relationship. He was about to go travel the world. He really wanted to learn meditation before, right? So I go over to his house in Mermaid Waters and I walk into the garage and no shit, there is a bike sitting in the garage and it's literally 98% the same as the bike from my movie. And I'm like, dude, look at this thing, right? Like you selling that? And he goes, yeah, yeah, I, I am, you know? And I said, man, I would totally buy that. But like, I don't even know how long I'm staying in the Gold Coast. You know, like I'm, I'm literally extending an Airbnb month by month and I've been yeah. here for six months now. Um, so then he says to me, he goes like, well, dude, like it's got a flat tire. He goes, if you fix the tire, you can take it for like three months and then I'm coming back. And if, if you want it, then just buy it. If not, I'll just sell it to someone else. And so I literally had to fix that day. And so within one week, suddenly I'm riding on this bike. I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, you know? that. Dude, like I have, yeah, I mean, the, I have so many stories, dude. Like I wanted to and get engaged. Rochelle, Rochelle told me that if I want to ask her to marry me, it better be some Disney shit. That's what she said, right? Because I'd been with her for like seven or eight years now. And she goes, this better be good, right? So I'm like, oh, all right. Now, now I've put it on a pedestal and I'm trying to figure out what am I going to do? It's got to be really special. She's always wanted to go to the Maldives. Right. And she made a movie. She made a manifestation movie and she had these videos in there of like an underwater, one of those underwater restaurants in the Maldives. And then like, you know, I travel to like beautiful places like the bungalow and all this kind of crap. And then um, out of nowhere, we get a message from a, a, a girl who's like, hey, I represent this like huge influencer from America called Jen Selta, who's coming to Bali for the first time ever. She's never been there. Maybe you guys could show her around or something. And I'm like, okay, cool. All right. So jump on the call with her. And she, we're like, yeah, like, no worries. You know, we'll show you around Bali, whatever. And she's like a huge influence. She has like 10 million followers or something. And then, um, and then she goes, oh, amazing. Well, we're actually going to the Maldives right after. We've got two bungalows. Do you guys want to like come, <laughs> right? We're, like for free? And I'm like, okay, all right, <laughs> sweet. Next thing you know, then, then I needed to get the ring, which was from California. And I know I wasn't going to send that to Bali. So I literally shipped it to Jen in New York. And then she brought the ring over for me. Oh, wow. We flew to the Maldives. The island that we stayed on had an underwater restaurant. So suddenly we're literally in Rochelle's manifestation movie. And then I ended up paddling her on a, a, uh, a paddleboard out to this little sand piece of sand sticking out in the ocean where I then proposed to her. And when we came back, we paddled back just as the rainstorm started coming in on the island. And when we turned around, when we got back to the island, there was a literal fucking rainbow that ended on the island wow disney disney shit <laughs> like disney straight shit. disney shit dude. a free trip to the maldives with that restaurant with a bloody rainbow at the end with it's, somebody to bring the ring straight over to you it's like like i'm i'm not like honestly from someone who used to be such a reductionist like i used to be an extreme militant atheist right i used to like make fun of anyone that had any spiritual beliefs now i am that guy i'm that guy that's talking about gratitude and many living many lives and karma mm. and all this stuff and it's it is real but i will say one thing 
if you don't believe in it, it won't work for you. Mm. And that is something they've, they have tested. So it's up to you. You know, you'll, you'll see it when you believe it. Yeah. Um, and I think a good um, way to foster it is that's what I want to quickly touch on to wrap up the podcast is the manifest, manifest the app had that idea come about what's involved in the app because I mean, I can explain it, but I'd rather hear it from you. For, sh- for sure. Um, so basically this app is me scratching my own itch. All right. It's me being someone who has known about the law of attraction for about 10 years, uh, having evidence of it, really believing in it, really wanting to do it and realizing just because the mind is so scattered and it's so challenging to keep something in there continuously and returning back to it. Like there are some people who are very type A and they can just kind of keep doing the same thing over and over. I'm not one of those. I'm very like all over the place and creative, essentially. My mind wanders all day long. And I realized that repetition is the key repetition mm-hmm. because all your beliefs are repetitive thoughts, right? They're thoughts you keep having until you have a belief. If that belief isn't serving you and it's making you think that money is bad, that, you know, I can never be rich. I can, I can't have what I want and nobody likes me, you know, whatever it is, then you have to reprogram a more empowering belief, but you can only do that with repetition. You need something to literally keep nudging you over and over for like weeks. And then eventually the program gets replaced. So I'm a graphic designer. I met a programmer who could build apps and I've learned. So I taught myself how to basically design the interface of an app. And then I was like, okay, I'm going to build literally a Swiss army knife for manifestation. And it's going to have a bunch of functions in it. One of them is meditation, right? So that I have my own meditation right there in my pocket. By the way, if you want to try the method that we were basically discussing before, the mental stillness method, there is one inside the app for 15 minutes called uh, Inner Peace. I think it is, right? Mm. At the top. I listened to that yesterday. Yeah, exactly. So you, you, so if anyone wants to try that, but basically it has meditations in it, including visualization meditations that guide you through seeing your future and everything. Then you have an affirmation maker, as in, you know how you get push notifications on your phone all day long that are always interrupting and telling you about stuff going on with other apps. What if you could just like program it so that it says, I am the creator of my reality. I am Cooper. I'm effing awesome, whatever it is. 8am every morning, I have a notification saying be present today. Exactly. So like, it's crazy that this wasn't already in another app. I've never seen this before. So you can schedule all of these messages that then go off as often as you want all day long uh, with certain instructions. So that's really good to reprogram your mind. So, you know, make sure your phone is constantly triggering positive thoughts so that you can combat that 80% negativity that the average person has. You can change that. It just requires effort and repetition and consistency. Then there is a uh, something called a future feed, which is essentially like an Instagram feed, but a vision board. So you upload photos, you write quotes underneath it. Ideally, you write quotes, captions, as if this thing in the future has already happened. So like you upload a photo of some holiday that you really want. You want to go to Hawaii or something you've never been. You'd be like, oh, I love my holiday in Hawaii. It really felt like this and whatever. And so then when you're scrolling the gram, and you remember like, wait, I should probably just be creating my reality right now and not just, you know, looking at other people's stuff. Then you just go to this app and you keep scrolling this infinite scroll vision board, um, which allows you just to keep in your forefront of your mind what it is that you actually want in life because that's mm-hmm. the whole game. Um, stop thinking about what you don't want. Like so many people know exactly what they don't want and they barely know what they do want. So like flip that around. 
Um, and then the final function, which is really the core of the app, is a manifestation movie maker. So when I made my movie, I did it in Premiere Pro, and then I wanted to update it six months later because I had manifested a bunch of stuff from the movie, and then all the links were broken, and I was like, oh, God, i got to start again, and this thing was a mission to build. So I was like, okay, could I just build a, a maker where, like, we have high-vibe music, then we've programmed it so that on the beat there's like an interval. So then you basically just upload photos of stuff that you want. You write captions and it like auto cues it to these intervals of the song. So when you watch it, like on the beat, it's kind of like, here's your house, you know, here's your car, whatever it is. Mm. And you can set a reminder. So every day your phone basically says, Hey, watch the music video of your future right now so that you can alter your vibration and be more focused on what you want rather than what you don't want. Mm. And that's where Manifesty came from. There's still going yeah. to be a lot more other things we're going to add, but um, yeah, I was going to say yeah. as well. And then there's a lot of pre-made movies that have all different categories from like self-love, money magnet, yes. immunity, and they're all like so beautifully made. And that's kind of the flow that I'm on right now. I'll listen to a meditation for 10 to 15 minutes, be in this clear, nice headspace, and then I'll mm. click on the boss life video and it'll aff- give me affirmations like I'm worthy, like. I like deserve abundance to come to me. Just like all these great affirmations for a few minutes where you just kind of like program yourself to start your day with that mindset. And yeah, I've felt amazing the last month, kind of really leaning into it and getting involved with it and kind of like the way you've gamified it a little bit, having the like um, streak sort of things, like collectibles, like, yeah, it's been really cool, but I will leave for manifesty, um, a link in the show notes as well if people want to download it. it there's a free version and then what the paid there version is. just gives you extra videos extra meditations i mean so i recommend the, it's, it costs like less than 10 cents yeah like it's, 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 it's like it's like it's like it's like 10 bucks a month or like 50 bucks a year depending on where you are in the world but um yeah i mean it'll give you you know in a piece it'll allow you to create your reality it's going to it's going to have a serious tangible impact on your brain if you make use of it, you know, Um, but you can definitely try it for free. It just has limited functions and then as well, some ads and stuff in there. But if you get the premium version, then you get all of the meditations, you get all of the movies, you can make infinite movies, infinite affirmations, infinite feeds, you Mm. know? So, I mean, and and, $50 um, a year is kind of like, you like, it's so funny. We're, we balk at an app that costs money, but then we'll happily go and buy a case of beer for 50 bucks that'll last you 20 minutes and make you feel like yeah. shit. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So um, Sweet. Well, far out, man. This has been such a great chat. I've been looking forward to this one for a long time. Ever since I started Good Humans Podcast, you've been well and truly, you and Rochelle, who I will get on um, at some sure. stage over the coming weeks or months because, yeah, I've been really fascinated by not only this conversation, but by our friendship, having somebody who's such a critical thinker, but in this really healthy way, you're somebody who's inspired me a lot to take up meditation and manifestation and just look at the world through a different light. I think it it is so freeing and so humbling to be able to take a step back from the ego. And I think this is such a core and fundamental practice to be able to strip back from that. So yeah, I mean, 
a big thank you for me and everyone listening. I'm sure has learned so much. And I mean, we will get you back on. This is maybe the longest podcast Gladly. I've done. And I feel like we're just kind of warming up. So it yeah. sucks, to, <laughs> sucks to pull it in here. I'm going to see the feedback from people, what they think of for this sure. longer form. I might even split this into two episodes. I'll um, for sure, for sure. see how it goes. But the, the last question that I do ask everybody on this podcast is what does being a good human mean to Chris Sol? It means taking responsibility for your mind and your thoughts, your actions, your emotions. You know, I think we have a much more powerful impact on the people around us than we like to actually think. You know, on the one hand, we're a lot more invisible than we think. You know, we think that everyone's thinking about us, but everyone's actually focused on themselves way more than we really think. So you technically you're free to be whoever you want to be. Um, but at the same time, you shouldn't underestimate the power of a positive word, you know, mm. a bit of encouragement or an insult, you know, like it just randomly some something we've trained ourselves to hide emotions in the society. You know, like I have asked hundreds of people how stressed they are out of 10 and the average is about six or seven. Uh, and one in 10 people tells me they're 10 out of 10 stressed and they have a straight face when they say it. They go, yeah, I'm 10 out of 10 stressed. So, you know, everybody's fighting a battle that you know nothing about and you can have such a positive impact on people just by listening, just by giving a word of encouragement mm. and just by being compassionate. So I think, you know, be the change you wish to see in the world. And that starts with taking responsibility for your thoughts and your feelings and your actions. And when you're doing that, I think you naturally become a good person because people gravitate towards, I like to think that the universe leans a little bit towards the positive. You know, yeah. I think when I, when I, when I see people in crises, they all band together, they all share freely. That's our, that's our natural state, you know? And so I think, I think once you calm the mind, you just naturally want to do good. Mm. And so that to me is, you know, taking responsibility for your self-awareness. Yeah. I, I think that's so powerful and that is so aligned with the good human factory brand and the good humans podcast as a whole is this idea of everybody listening to this podcast is obviously here for for themselves as much as it is to listen to what the guest has to say but that's why i've really tried to angle the questioning with good humans podcast is about learning from the amazing guests just like yourself who have got great things to teach based on their own experience and the responsibility is, hey, maybe I will take some of this information and try and implement it. So anyone out there listening right now, I challenge you, and I'm sure Chris will too, download the app, even if it's a free version. Like it's it, these, what we're trying to do here is change the consciousness of the world and show that there is some incredibly powerful things out there if you're willing to take responsibility. And that's the first thing I teach in all of my workshops is responsibility. Like unless you're willing to make change nothing will change so yeah it all comes back to you so man a big thank you it's been a pleasure having a conversation with you it's been like i said a long time coming once you're in australia later hopefully at the end of the year we will get you back on i might even come over and do um a little meditation retreat with you i'll actually have to have a chat with you and maybe i'll put it out to the audience right now listening if i do a good humans or good human factory slash mindspo meditation retreat would you be interested get a run over to bali or a group of us for a week and really lean into it learn more sure. about meditation because um yeah i'm excited to come and do a bit more in-depth training and 
learn more about it so I can like we chatted about before have a bit more context when it comes to yeah meditation and taking over my life so yeah man thanks so much for jumping on it's been a pleasure thank thank you so much bro you're doing such a fantastic job with everything that you're doing I'm honestly so proud every time I see it I'm just like go coops (laughs) you you are you are killing it I love it thanks so much for having me on man cheers man appreciate it Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.